actually not applying legal context to the content of the tax code is actually the most dishonest thing we can do. Welcome to the Disruptance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric Forney and Michael Bounds. Mike, last week on the show, when we wrapped things up, we talked about how the government doesn't want you to pay taxes. And I know people have said to you that, uh, that they think that that sounds ridiculous. And so this week, I'm here to disrupt the way you feel about paying taxes as a business owner and as an entrepreneur to prove that the government actually doesn't want you as a business owner to pay taxes. Do you believe that? You know, it's really weird that your whole life you work, you pay taxes, you, you're an upstanding citizen. Uh, but the more I you know move up in my career, the more people have money, they're telling me that you shouldn't pay taxes. So that's a great point, right? As you follow basically where the money goes. Yeah. And, and as a business owner, you know, you have a couple of choices. You can, you can all, we talk about it a lot as you look at models and systems. Yeah. And if you use those that are typically ahead of you as an entrepreneur, as your model, to your point, what you'll see is the model indicates that business owners pay less in taxes. Interestingly enough, if we were to be political yet incredibly um, unpolitical in this statement, um, Barack Obama paid more in taxes when he was elected, when he was running for the presidential office compared to Donald Trump. The difference being that Barack Obama had a job, Donald Trump owned several investments in several businesses. Mm -hmm. And so if the job worker pays more in taxes as a tax basis perspective than Donald Trump or than the business owner, would it not be fair to assume that the government has actually written the tax code to benefit the business owner from a tax basis standpoint? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's, um, a, a, this is the thing The people that we, you talk about this all the time, so I'm not going to take credit for this. The people that write the laws, Uh, aren't going to write laws that are going to hurt them. So uh, that we talk about all the time. Uh, So uh, I don't know. I shouldn't. That doesn't mean it. Yeah. But it means they typically don't. That's Um, right. I'm a a rule follower. So, uh, you know, you're, you know, you, you, you have been conditioned as from, from childhood, our education, our schooling has conditioned us to be employees versus entrepreneurs. So, the hardest part about growing from being, you know, going from what E to P yeah. uh, is the mindset, shaking loose everything that your teachers and your parents have taught you. A lot of that stuff, you're right. You have to learn there's systems and there's models. There's guys that are doing it on a high level and you just have to take their lead and why reinvent the wheel. So this is what's interesting. You know, you talk about it's mindset. So what I, what I, always remember is, is there's content and then there's context and those two things can work uh, together but they are different okay so let me break this down so when you have a contract the words and the the structure of the a contract is the content itself okay right that says if you do x i will do y 
That, that is the most simple form of contract. A vending machine, for instance, would be the, would be the best way to simplify a contract. If you put a dollar in, you get a Snickers back. Got it. Okay. So, um, that that's content. Now, how I interpret the content of a contract is context. Okay. And so, um, the way that the IRS writes the tax code, and I guess my legal disclaimer, of course, uh, is I don't know anything about taxes and I hardly know how to spell the word taxes. And uh, you should consult with a CPA or a tax attorney, right? Because I don't know anything about anything. But this is my perspective. I don't know anything about taxes. So y'all <laughs> this, this is my perspective. Um, so when you look at the IRS tax code, it's incredibly lengthy, right? So you have all this content. And one person chooses to... Uh, apply their context on the content okay. to filter it messaging wise to believe that it is um, interpreted a specific way. Okay. And other CPAs or tax attorneys read the exact same content and apply a totally different set of context Got it. to the words, the paragraphs, the information in order to prepare a different tax free wealth plan. And so the, it is, it is unfortunately what, what you talk about is, is you grow up to believe that, that these are the rules and that if you reduce your tax liability, that it's actually a negative or a nefarious act right. when the reality is, is that it's oftentimes strategic application of context. Got it. So think about, in a, you know, in real estate, when we look at a, a real estate contract, yep. Um, I'm always fascinated by this. Is there a difference between a mortgage and a line of credit? Contextually, yeah, not no. much. No. And so what's interesting is, is like, is there a difference between cash um, and cash at closing? No. Not really, because yeah. it's all a digital it's exchange. Get, it's just getting there. That's right. And so oftentimes what happens, though, is, is when you see an offer and it says cash, it makes someone feel a certain way. We talked about it two weeks ago is that a cash offer is oftentimes actually riskier right. than, uh, than a line of credit or than a mortgage. Um, and, and yet what you're, what you're playing to is the human context of the interpretation of cash and the tax code works incredibly the same way. And the reason why that I believe that the tax code is written to be interpreted contextually is because, um, over 95% of the code is pertains to deductions and credits. Right. So if there was no incentive or there was no benefit for the economy and for the U S government to include a significant amount of the content about deductions and credits, they wouldn't do it. It wouldn't be there. It, it would be really simple and really clear. I, you know what? This, that's one thing 2020 has taught me is that, you know, uh, Look, look deeper because you're absolutely right. It would not be there if they did not want you to take advantage of it. So some things that I think in, and you, you know, we <laughs> kept talking about this the other day is the, the concept of taking advantage has yeah. a negative connotation to it. Right. It's like right. if it was uh, so, so like kicking somebody water down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's not what the tax code is meant for. So the, the tax code is not meant to take advantage in a negative context. In fact, um, if, if any of you have watched Jerome Money Printer Powell uh, at the Fed do his monthly um, address here about uh, the, the monetary policy that uh, 
that is full of our helicopters, full of money that just rain down stimulus everywhere. Um, the two things that Jerome Powell is is really trying to um, stimulate is employment and GDP. Okay. Okay. So the tax code is actually it is written to do those two things. As a business owner, at the end of the day, you really have two major roles in the in in the eyes of the government the irs which is to generate employment right. and to generate profit right and it is the profit that allows you to actually put people to work right and the belief via trickle down economics the belief via you know you can debate whether it's political or not but is that if you as a business owner pay nothing in taxes or low amounts in taxes, then you will hire more people and put those people to work. Mm -hmm. This is the concept of the velocity of money, which is if I make $100, I have a choice. Will I save $100? Probably not. That's what we see about human behavior is if I make $100, I'll give it to you to do something with, and then you'll give it to Tyler who gives it to Kate. And this becomes the velocity of money as everyone circulates the musical chairs of money. And so the IRS code is written in a way in which stimulates the velocity of money for business owners to create and generate employment. Yeah, I could, I totally see that. I, I just, the, well, you know, there's been a divide um, a little bit, like there's been a lot of a divide, <laughs> like, um, while there's, and I, that I think is kind of, you know, the issue yeah. is that, um, in theory, you're right. Trickle down sounds like it would, it would be good, but the divide, what it's doing, it's actually showing that the people with the most money are saving it. Yeah. And, um, then there's people, um, so I, I don't know. So, well, you know, we can go I, into that. I, I, <laughs> I, you know, it's interesting, though. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And yeah. there, you know, from a philosophical or from yeah, uh, I, I can go down this mental rabbit hole at times. Yeah, but there is, you know, there's the secondary thought that technology is delaminating some of the um, some of the classes yeah. or the wealth gap. Right. So uh, Jeff Bezos, for instance, has dude, he's, exponentially he's, multiplied. Dude, yeah. <laughs> He's killing I mean, it. Musk and, and Bezos made more money in the pandemic um, and now have a greater net worth than 40% of the American population right. combined. Right. right. Two so people. Two people two have people. a greater wealth than 40% of the, of the the U.S. population, the wealthiest country on the planet. And they ain't paying no taxes. <laughs> or low taxes, that's for sure. <laughs> remember, remember, Elon Musk sell, the most profitable thing they do, other than Bitcoin now, is sell their tax credits. So they're selling their tax credits from the government to their competitors. And uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, bought um, options, um, future contracts on Tesla and, and Elon Musk in, in essence, which tells you, you know, roughly the direction of policy, whether yeah. or not it, it should or should not be allowed. Um, you know, you, when you're when your Congress and, and senators announce where they're investing their money you could kind of guess where policy might go. Yeah. And so the the tax credits that Elon Musk uh, and Tesla receive are one of the most lucrative things that they do for the company, um, which, which again, tells me that people, that the government has written the tax code to benefit yeah. the business owner. Yeah. The, the biggest 
difference then becomes who you hire yeah and who educates you whether you're going to be attempt to be self-educated to lower your your tax no. liability or whether you're going to hire an expert to implement tax planning and wealth building yeah i mean uh you want to go to people that are that are doing really well and who are the people that they're teaming up with? This is about building teams and aligning, yeah. having alliances yep. with people. So uh, people that are crushing it right now, talk to them. Get the way we do in our career. I have a I have a career mentor. I have like a, a spiritual mentor. Like you should have a financial mentor. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like around yeah. around taxes and yep. and follow their models and systems. And by the way, I think that you 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 said it accurately too by saying mentor. Yeah. And one of the one of the biggest challenges can be is when it's mentors for yeah. one vertical space. Now that doesn't mean blindly follow everything that Warren Buffett does. However, it seems to have worked out pretty well for those that have blindly followed him, right? right. Like in real estate, um, I could choose to blindly follow Gary Keller. I, right. I do. <laughs> now I don't blindly follow it, but what's interesting is anytime I've questioned Mm-hmm. Um, or, or, or sought to understand whether or not the advice was accurate. Um, any skepticism that I've had has eventually been counteracted with reality right. to find that it was pretty, pretty, he's got receipts. Pretty, he's, that's yeah, right. He's got amazing receipts. advice. Right. So, yeah. um, you, you pick your profit as Gary right. said, right. And, and pick it's not your multiples. profit. That's what's important. Some people are following people that have no business following. Yeah, that's right. They don't. To your point, don't have the receipts necessarily. So, um, so when you look when you look at tax planning and wealth building, then it becomes a matter of that you shouldn't be thinking as a business owner about taxes right now. You know, it, the government just pushed out, and we're you know, if you're listening later, where we should be a month from tax time, and and his tax deadline has been extended. However, most people think about their taxes right they, before they have to pay. Them. Yeah, right. Yeah when you have to think about your taxes is actually a year to multiple years yeah. in advance yeah. in order to minimize yeah. your actual tax Be strategic. Costs. It's just like when people come to you and they want to buy a house, they come like right before their lease is up. And then guess what? They got to renew their lease. Or what if they come in a month or two before get them pre-approved, got to massage certain things. So just being uh, proactive. So, Let's talk about some content and some context as it pertains to um, some different ways that a business owner might be able to um, strategize a tax plan, knowing, of course, that you should never take uh, YouTube advice or a podcast advice for taxes from someone who's not a CPA, right? So talk to your CPA. That's my disclaimer. However, uh, if we look at the content and apply some context, um, you Taxes are paid, if we think about it from an elementary level, I like to think of taxes being pockets. Okay. Okay, so in one pocket, you have um, zero to a certain threshold that you pay 0% taxes on. So it's like this year, it's, it's like zero, the, roughly the first $12,000 that you earn is zero tax. Okay. Then the, the next pocket has, you know, a, a 10 to 15% tax bracket. And then it escalates from there up to 37.5% or so. Um, that first pocket is 0% taxes. So zero to $12,000 in annualized income is no money paid in taxes. Right. 
And so if you were looking uh, for a way to, um, to earn zero to 12,000, pay nothing on it. Um, oftentimes, um, one, one thing that people will look at is hiring their children. Right. And because if you hire a minor and you are their legal guardian, then you be, are able to be the custodian of their earnings. Okay. And people will say, well, yeah, but my child is four years old. How could I hire them and put them to work in my business? And my response is typically, did Macaulay Culkin have a job? Yeah. Did, do we think that there are child actors? Yeah. Are yeah. there child models? Yeah. If your baby was in the Huggies commercial, yeah. they, you were probably compensated for that. Right. And up to a threshold, your, your diaper model baby would not have paid taxes. Right. And so when you think about applying the context of of child actors, of child marketing, of, of child models yeah. to your business. Yeah. What comes to mind? Um, how could, how do you think as a business owner, you may be able to apply something of that context? So I, I do cause my, I raised my kids in the business. And so yeah. my kids, uh, my son, uh, I'm really proud of him. He's 23 years old. He just got his real estate license and he's grown up in this. Yeah. He's helped me with tasks. And so he's like too that. old now, right? Yeah, but, like, but I'm just saying, I'm thinking yeah. back to the past when, yeah. when I was out, uh, you know, knocking on doors or mm -hmm. doing different things. He was right there. And my daughter, they were both right there. So they me. could be putting out flyers, yeah, right? Absolutely. While you're knocking doors across the street. Yeah. And then you could be having a photo session with them and and marketing material yeah. to be child yeah. models well uh, actually with julian yeah. uh we have some pictures of julian that i was mm. running i was going to run facebook ads and it's the focus was going to be julian and you see the house yeah because that was one of your really most like highly engaged didn't you have a uh, oh, like dude. a uh, boomerang or something that was like really highly engaged with yeah. her i think yeah and so do so then when you think about the context piece of it as a yeah. business owner um do some of your do some of your clients have kids? Yeah. So you seems very they reasonable. Can do that, yeah, yeah. Seems very reasonable that you uh, would have a a child actor or a child involved Social in marketing media, when the customer influencer has children driving have children businesses. Well. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. And so that's the type of context that you can apply to the content. Of, of the tax code potentially the challenge becomes is what where people break down is um is believing that that because they read language or or a contract or tax code a certain way that that's the only application of it well i don't think people are reading the app <laughs> wait so, I, they I should think, be uh, it's really exciting i don't think i uh, think that's where the problem lies is in the ambiguity like I just don't think people know and yeah. they hear like this is, and then you hear your mom or somebody of authority telling you that this is what this means. When yeah. in all reality, there's people reading this and saying, that's not what that says at all. <laughs> you know, what really opened my eyes to this in real estate, especially was, um, and when, I, when, when we looked at contracts, I used to get, so I, you know, I've taught this class for, I don't know, three or four years now about, um, how to win multiple offers every time. Mm -hmm. And um, there were two agents that quit the company the first time I taught it because it was like divisive. They were like totally pissed mm -hmm. that I was interpreting the contract 
to potentially read one way that they just vehemently were opposed to. Right. And my entire point of the class is not to say what you should or should not do. It's to expose a different way of thinking about the content. And I, I, what I've really noticed is that wholesalers in our industry are beating the pants off of real estate agents yeah. in acquiring houses to sell and acquiring listings. And the yeah. reason why, in my opinion, is they're not fixated on the traditional content yeah. of the contract. It's outside the box. They're thinking like, you remember that little thing where all the dots and you can't lift the, yeah. that's what they're doing. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so what you're looking for then as a business owner is, is how do you find an expert in that field Got it. that yeah. is familiar with the content, but willing to apply a different contextual um, perspective onto the content itself so that you can build a plan. And so if you're, if you were thinking about as a business owner, how do I, how do I do this? Well, one, there are actual like organizations where all they do is specialize in low, low to no tax business wealth planning. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, the, the goal is to get your tax liability as a corporation under to 20% or so, um, so that you can accelerate the velocity of money and put and ideally employ people, spend money at your house with construction, you know, employ yeah. as many people as possible. The, the economic machine works by velocity of money. Absolutely. And so um, reducing tax liability helps with that because what, what the IRS knows is that the more money you earn and keep, the more money you spend on yeah. other taxable events, yeah. hotel taxes, gambling taxes, um, yeah. sales taxes. Sale, yeah, everywhere. There, there are, Plates. There are, yeah, there are tax, yeah. you are taxed property taxes, right? There are taxation events all day, every day. And the more money you have, the more you will be taxed yeah. by other avenues of taxation. It, the, the breakdown becomes is believing that you should be paying the most possible on your income tax. So what do you do? So, so what's the first, what's where's first ground zero? Well, I, I believe that we have to first understand loss. Okay. Okay. So there are, there are, there are, there are more than one type of loss. There's a, a, like actual losses and okay. then there are accounting losses. Okay. And I've said that I don't think that accounting makes sense. Almost all of us operate from a cash basis perspective of accounting, which is I have a certain amount of money in my bank account. I have a certain amount of bills that I owe. It's really clear. This yep. is what I've got, that I have left over. That's right. Great. Net cash basis accounting. Yep. Well, there is um, another way of looking at accounting, which is journal-based accounting. And journal-based accounting allows you to move your numbers around a lot more um, um, strategically, mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes for shareholders, for investors. Um, in our case, uh, Keller Williams is a journal-based accounting company because we have profit share. Right. And so in order to provide a distribution to our shareholders, we use journal-based accounting, which means that I might, maybe we, maybe we have, um, as, well, I know for sure June in real estate is always better than January. Right. Journal-based accounting would allow, would allow me to have an expense in, in January, not realize the loss in January on paper, but realize the loss in June Take when revenue is higher Got it. so that our shareholders could get a distribution both in January and in June. Right. And then you don't have shocks to the system. That's right. System. You have more of an even distribution of, of, of profit 
distributions in our case to the shareholders. So I think first you have to understand that that accounting has context as well. There are, there are yeah. two types of losses, real losses and paper losses or accounting losses. Okay. And so once you understand that, it allows you to have some different contextual understanding and, um, and, and then it, Understand that there's a, there, from a corporation perspective, there is liability, right. and then there is taxation, right. and those two things aren't always the same. Right. Um, you know, the, there's oftentimes a misconception that an LLC is a tax designation, and yet the the L, the acronym itself is limited liability the word liability is in it limited liability corporation right. that is a liability based entity not a taxation based entity Got and it. so understanding what some of the different taxable structures Got are it. yeah can help as a business owner to be strategic about how you plan and then i would i would consult with um multiple financial advisors and multiple cpas to find who has a the most who's willing to educate you the most on the initial appointment yeah so that you collectively can build a tax free wealth plan from there um one of one of the one of the best resources if you were going to self learn on taxes and you decided that you wanted to be a nerd like me and read you know right 800 pages of the cares act or something then um you could uh consume content from tom wheelwright um his company is called tax-free wealth um oddly enough pretty simple they got really creative but um straight I, to the point but but tom's content <laughs> to me is is um is really really good um and that's one of the channels that i watch from a from a nerd perspective got of it. taxes got it because more and more the especially in 2020 and 21 the tax code has changed to benefit entre entrepreneurs four million businesses have gone out of business in the last 12 months that's crazy. four million business owners that's have gone out of business yeah and there's no guarantee that that more will not go out tomorrow yeah, and next right. week next month right. we are at a position where we have no real um guarantee not that we ever did, but we have less of a guarantee on business stability today than we did 12 months ago, certainly. Right. And so business has always and will always be impermanent. Right. And that there are very, very few businesses that have been in existence for over 100 years. Right. And so it, in my opinion, it is your duty as a business owner to protect your employees and your family That's by what knowing this is. what's available. That's what this is, y'all. Like, yeah. All, the, all these businesses are going out of business. I, you drive down the street and you see all like these places that as you were a kid, you just never could imagine them yeah. going out of business. So this is what the government is saying. Look, we're going to stop that. Correct. Plug in to yeah. this. Yeah. So that you can weather this and then, you know, it'll be once this is all gone, all done, we're good. So we need to change our mindset. If this was going on like in 2015, yeah. that would be one thing. Yeah. Um, but we're just in a different situation. Yeah, we absolutely are. And and I think here's the beauty of this when we look at bringing all this back together, not just from a business ownership perspective, you know, because this this podcast is not just business ownership. It's real estate as well. Mm -hmm. the, the beauty is that the, the government doesn't want to be in the housing industry either. Right. And the majority, uh, a large portion of the um, the 
deductions and credits pertain to the real estate industry as well from a real estate ownership standpoint. Right. And so it is in um, the real estate investor, the real estate agent, um, and the consumer's best interest to be educated on what deductions or what credits are available to them that actually can help their customers and help themselves as business owners. Because um, you see the government doesn't want everyone to be employed, absolutely live in houses, yeah. and spend money via credit and, and increase the velocity so that the GDP continues to grow or exceed you know, some, uh, or, or any trade deficits that may exist. And, and so I believe as a business owner, it is your fiduciary duty to yourself and to your employees and yeah. your family yeah. to be educated on how you can build the most tax advantaged wealth plan for your business and for your family. So say you don't geek, you geek out on this I stuff. do geek out on that. So stuff. like I geek out, I geek out, <laughs> but for some reason I'm, I'm, I can't geek out on this. I'm trying. So then who do I need? So I'm. I'm um so I'm reading a lot about it. Yeah. I need to plug in with like mentors and I think um the whole CPA idea. I think I'm going to do that. Well, I haven't done that yet. So I think too is like you turn it into a game. Yeah. And when you gamify it with yourself that becomes a a competition to say okay, That's it. how do I get this to zero? Got it. How yeah. can is it possible? Can I build a plan to zero? And maybe you, maybe it does zero doesn't make sense. Right. Maybe that's not actually the target goal. However, in order to make that more entertaining along the way, right. if you set that that milestone, and then as you're going to it, you're uh, it's the same thing. It's yeah, it's the same thing of when you're building a huge ridiculous, you just build it. Yeah, you have this goal, and and then and you have to find some intrinsic motivation to it. And for yeah. me, it's okay. I don't, like. Is this possible? Yeah. And if it's if it is possible, then what would like what would it me? do if I got what what could I do differently if I got there? Yeah. Right. How much impact would that have? Um, knowing you know the highest tax bracket's thirty seven and a half percent for uh, that's on a federal tax level. So you know right now in Indiana where we are, you know it's about forty three percent immediately off the top would go. Um, back in, in just income taxation <laughs> and that's not property taxes, sales taxes, et cetera. It's worse in California, obviously in other places. Um, and so when you think about 50 cents out of every dollar earned as a business, um, you know, being distributed back to the government who is a shareholder in your business, right. Via taxation. Right. Um, when you think about distributing back to, to your shareholders, you should really take taxation seriously to yeah. understand how to best do that and gamify it. I think to be honest with you, uh, you can use it as fuel to like drive your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like it's, that's pretty much the, what the economic model in the MREA book. So that's right. And you literally use it as rocket fuel to, to so I do, I'm telling you, I'm geeking. I'm, I'm I'm on it because I'm think about this. Better. This is compounding, right? Compounding of forty percent. If 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 you got forty percent more of your dollar yeah. every year, yeah, yeah. How many eventually how many that exponentially grows? How many yeah. people you can employ? How many? That's I right. get it. I that's see right. It. What kind of and and probably and most of all lives you can change. That's right. 
And and what kind of freedom does it create for you and for other people around you? Yeah, like they're like that. I see that. So I totally it's a mindset change, which is it's a mindset change. What you started was: Am I following? Am I being disobedient or diso or dishonest by not following the rules? Whereas my counter argument is to that is is that actually not um, applying legal context to the content of the tax code is actually the most dishonest thing we can do because it's dishonest to the employees who show up every, every day, um, and, and depend on that business to still exist, to feed their family, build their wealth. Um, not, not doing what it takes to stay in business as a ethical business owner is, is, uh, unfiduciary. Absolutely. Absolutely.